Want to have better conversations? Join my free 21-day confidence building course. You'll learn how to effectively talk about yourself and clearly explain what you do, so you'll be able to have more meaningful conversations with less awkward silences. Sign up now at freeconfidencecourse.com. You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. If you want to be a person of influence and achieve success in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Welcome back to the podcast, Rockstar. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm your host, Christina Cantors, communication skills speaker, coach, and karaoke enthusiast. <laughs> I am back from my month-long stint in the Philippines, where I I de- definitely participated in frequent bouts of karaoke, something the Filipinos enjoy very much. I was made to sing at so many events, including my own seminars, I became known as the singing girl by the time I left. Anyway, I'm excited to be back in Melbourne and looking forward to getting back to business. Okay, this episode is awesome. Just saying. Now tell me this, how often do you meet someone and then they tell you their name and then 60 seconds later, you don't have the faintest idea what it is? I've met so many people who say they're terrible with names, and I always say it's an excuse for not bothering to remember, but then it happens to me all the time as well. Well, my guest this week is going to cure you of all your memory lapses. I recently had the pleasure of meeting Bill Aronson, who is a memory coach. My friend Cullen Pope of the Eat Magazine podcast introduced us, and as soon as I found out what Bill did, I knew I had to get him on the show. We had a really fascinating conversation, and Bill shares not only how to easily remember people's names, but also a simple technique for remembering your speech. So if you are terrified of giving a speech or presentation without notes, or you worry about having a mental blank, this episode is a must listen. I applied what I learnt from Bill to my Toastmasters speech this week, and it was super, super effective. I remembered all seven points I wanted to make, and I didn't even use notes, and I felt very confident that I would remember. So I've proven that it works. We also talk about the possible campaign that Bill is running for his book, The Lost Art of How to Find Things. The campaign ends on Tuesday, the 29th of March. So if you enjoy this conversation and want a copy of the book, I'll put a link in the show notes to the possible campaign. And the show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash Bill, B-I-L-L. Before we get to the interview, just one quick announcement. If you're in Melbourne and are thinking about launching a podcast, I'm running a podcasting workshop on Wednesday 30th of March at 6pm in the Melbourne CBD. I'll be answering all your podcasting questions, sharing with you what you need to know before you launch so you don't make the mistakes that I did, as well as my podcast workflow. So it's what I do every single week from writing and recording the episodes to tagging and publishing. So that's on Wednesday, the 30th of March at 6 p.m. I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, that's at thecmethod.com slash bill. And you can get tickets for that event there. I'll pop a link there in the show notes. 
So if you're thinking of launching a show or you want to launch a show and you don't know where to start, or if you want to know if podcasting is right for you, come along and have all of your questions answered. This event actually nicely coincides with the one-year birthday of this very podcast. Yeah. So maybe we'll have some birthday cake too. Hmm. Anyway, pretty pumped about that. Alrighty, let's move on to this conversation I had with memory coach Bill Aronson. I started off as a business coach and I was noticing with some of my clients that they were having real difficulties uh, standing out in the marketplace. And one particular one, he had a competitor who had the best equipment that money could buy. And he had another competitor who was really, really fast at providing service. And he was literally jammed in between these two. And so he came to me for advice on, on how to, to deal with that situation. And first of all, he didn't have the money to go out and buy a ton of equipment. And even if he had, all that would have done would mean he would be the same as the other. So we decided that if it didn't make sense to compete on time and it didn't make sense to compete on quality, perhaps we could find a third way. And the third way, I asked the question, uh, well, how many of your customers do you know by name? And he said, well, maybe half of them. And I said, what about your staff? And he said, well, maybe one third, maybe 40%. I said, what do you think would happen if you knew all of them by name? And he thought about it and he said, well, I guess they would probably uh, appreciate that. And and as we talked about it, we realized that, you know, if you have the choice between going into one shop where they know you by name, they remember your order, they remember who you are, remember the last conversation you have, and you go into another shop where you're just another number in the line, which are you going to go back to? Within a few weeks of training his staff in memory, in memory coaching uh, techniques, um, he saw a 25% increase in his sales. Wow. So that's really, that was the, the, that's where it got, that's the starting point of that. And then I just got uh, more and more excited by this work as I began to realize how, how wide it can be applied and how, how many people have real difficulties with their memory. And particularly people as they age, as they sort of reach their mid forties and on and their memory starts to fade a little bit. They just make the, the assumption, well, you know, my body is not as strong as it was when I was in my 20s, so it makes sense that my, my brain is kind of slowing down and therefore those kind of senior moments are perfectly normal. Mm. But the more research that I did, the more I understood that even as your body ages, there is no reason whatsoever for your for your brain to age. In fact, your memory is like wine. You know, if you lay down a wine for a number of years, it gets better with age. There's absolutely no reason why your memory can't improve with age. But we just have this belief system that, oh, it's going to deteriorate and there's not much you can do about it. And people use that as an excuse too, as they get older. They say, oh, it's okay for me to forget things because I'm getting older and that's what happens when you get older. That's right. And you people will use, if you keep repeating to yourself, you know, that my, my memory isn't particularly good. If you keep programming yourself, well, that's, that, that's exactly what's going to happen. Just going back to your client that you were helping with yeah. his business. At that point, when you'd helped him, were you already interested in memory training? Had you already done 
memory training on yourself at that point? Well, I had to. I mean, well, the process was you said, we agreed that this would be a really good idea, that uh, if you could improve your memory, uh, this would be a really good idea. And then, of course, then I got suckered into actually going and doing the research to find out exactly how you did that. I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> so, so how did you go about improving your own memory? Um, well, I, I got coached like other people. I, I went and looked for the best coaches around the world and I read and read books and practiced and practiced and practiced. But uh, once I started that process of practice, I realized how easy it is and how so many of the ideas that I had around memory were simply wrong. I think for most people, we think of memory as being around rote and repetition and uh, that it's a hard effort and it's tedious. And what I discovered was actually the best way to, to remember things is not to even to try and remember them, but to focus on creating uh, really imaginative stories and images to use your imagination. And that then makes your brain go, aha, this is interesting, and it gets curious. So if you show your brain how to play, um, mm. then it finds remembering stuff easy. Okay. If you th and if you think about it, who, who's got the best memory? It's, it's children. Yeah. Children have exceptionally good memories and children are exceptionally good at playing. And, and we over time become less good at playing and we become more serious and we become less creative, less imaginative. And uh, we know that this couldn't possibly happen. So our imagination restricts in size. And at the same time, our memory re reduces as well. And I think there's a direct correlation between the two. Well, before we get into talking about actual strategies and and how to create these stories to remember things, yeah. as this as this podcast is all about communication and and speaking, one reason why I wanted to speak to you on the show was to show people how improving your memory can help you become better at speaking and okay. also better in a social situation. Just yeah. like for example, with the name thing, can you share what? improving your memory actually does to help you in a situation where you're speaking to a group? Okay. Well, if we take the situation where, for example, you have to do a presentation or a speech, yeah, mm -hmm. and let's say there's 50 or 100 people that you're going to have to stand up in front of. Now, most people find that situation quite daunting. So they stand up and they're feeling incredibly nervous and their heart is racing and, you know, they're, they're swallowing uh, in order, you know, they're really anxious in that situation. And the reason for that, if you look really deep inside as to what the reason for that is, the worst possible case is that you're standing up in front of those people and you completely forget what it is that you want to say. And you just mm. stand there silently um, and everyone's looking at you and then you feel like a complete and utter fool. <laughs> that, that's the worst which could possibly happen. And I think if the surveys of right is it suggests that for most people, the thought of standing up and speaking in front of a people they would actually prefer to die <laughs> yes <laughs> so if you are 100 percent confident 
that you have a way to remember all the key points that you want to say. And even if somebody disrupts you, asks you a question halfway through, um, that you'll be able to pick up quite easily and come back to where you were, then that fear uh, diminishes and disappears. Mm. So the the real value, one of the real values that people can get from actually training their memory is the, the ability just to stand up and give a presentation because they know they can't get thrown. They know there's no possibility of forgetting what it was that they were going to say. And then it's a virtuous circle. As soon as you're confident that you are actually going to be able to say what you intended to say, then you become more relaxed. And the beauty of being able to remember a speech without notes is that you can then look people in the eye. And as you look people in the eye, rather than sitting and just staring at the notes in front of you, then you can get a much better sense of how are people responding to what you're saying. Are they interested? Are they excited? Are they engaged? If you're looking down at your speech, you, you're not connected to mm. your audience. So you don't get all those kinds of visual clues. I'm intrigued now. I want to know. How does one <laughs> remember a whole speech without notes? Okay. Well, there's a number of different ways, but uh, I think the simplest way is for, for most people is to do what's called creating a memory palace. Yeah. So a memory palace is, it has that name because of, um, Simonides, uh, who is in, uh, uh, the island of Chios in, in Greece back at 200 and 2,500 years ago, he was in a palace uh, at a celebration, big big banquet happening, lots and lots of important people there. And he looked out the window and he saw a couple of riders coming and he, he recognized them that they were messengers for him. And he said, well, excuse me, I just need to go outside and take that. So he goes outside to, to meet with them and a moment later there's an earthquake and the building collapses and everyone is crushed to death and most people beyond recognition. And when they were going through trying to recover the bodies, Simonides was able to say exactly who was sitting where and therefore was able to help the, with the recovery effort so that people knew exactly where to, to dig. And then afterwards they said, how did you do that? He said, well, can't everyone do this? It seems pretty obvious to me. And then he realized that he had naturally developed this capability of being able to visualize and then to use the visualization as part of his personal memory training. So a memory palace, and the easiest way I usually start off with people when doing a memory palace is to say, okay, do you have any difficulties remembering your home? If I was to ask you to take a mental walk from your front door into, into the corridor, can you walk around in your mind's eye through your house? And for most people, pretty much everyone says they don't have any difficulty with that at all. So a memory palace is what you do is you, you take somewhere familiar, such as your home, and then if you were going to give a presentation, you break the speech up into parts and you put a symbol or an icon or an image of something in each of the rooms, which is going to represent or as a memory jog for that particular point. And when you do this, you try and make images which are startling, unusual, um, bizarre, hilarious, strange, 
because um, uh, memory is very useful for these unusual things. If it's very usual or normal, we don't remember it. Mm, so okay. most, most of us don't remember what we had for breakfast this morning because there's no point. There's no need. But if something unusual or startling happens to us, we remember it, we talk about it, and it sticks. Yeah. Okay. So can we try this as an example? So let's say, for example, I'm giving a Toastmasters speech tonight. Okay. And the title of my speech is How to Be Filipino. Because I've just been in the Philippines and I've learned a lot about the people there. So I want to share, I was thinking maybe five different ways to be Filipino. Fantastic. So let's say I've done my introduction. I'm, I'm cool with remembering that. But then the five points I want to share, that's the stuff that I might forget. Yes. So in my memory palace, where do I start? Do I start at the front door? Do I start in the driveway? You can start wherever you like. It's your memory palace. But let, let's just let's just do a simple one. You have a front door. Okay. And if you were to walk in the front door, what would you see when you walked in the front door? Okay. So let's say like Filipinos, are, um, they're always stuck in traffic. Okay. So the first one would be you're always going to be stuck in traffic. So could okay. I put a car there or something? You can, the- no, no, you don't, don't put a car there. You put a hundred cars. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> So sure. you, you could basically have a traffic jam absolutely, you know, outside of your front door. You've got this traffic jam. You see a hundred cars. They're all hooting. They're all people are leaning out of their windows, shouting at each other. There's a big brouhaha going on. Yeah. You make it like Hollywood. You know, if you go to a movie, you don't see the actors standing there with their lines in front of them reading from their lines. Mm. You know, you believe that they are absolutely the characters that they're playing and the, and they use action. They use emotion. They use intensity. They use irrationality. They use uh, outrageousness to make the image memorable and to keep you on the, the edge of your seat and to keep you engaged. And you can do the same inside the privacy of your own head you can create your own hollywood and i encourage people to use brands i encourage people to use the names of famous actors because those people have invest millions to get us to to remember them and to to think about them so you know harrison ford or keanu reeves or whoever whatever brand or person that you want to use that yeah Mm. Okay. So there's so there's your first point. You got your you got your traffic. Now, now that's going to remind you of what you want to say. Okay. And when you walk into your particular house, what, what's the first thing that you would see? So once I go through the front door, on the right is a study. Okay. So let's go into the study. And what's the second point that you want to make in your presentation tonight? So it would be that Filipinos are very respectful. Very respectful. Mm. Very. So res- that's, that's not a tangible thing. Oh well, you can easily make it tangible, can't okay. we? We're going to use our imagination and creativity to make it tangible. So, so why don't we have uh, maybe somebody like uh, a, a geisha girl who's who who bows to you as you as you walk into your study or something? Okay. Like that. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I walk past my study. There's a geisha in there bowing yeah. to me. Or maybe let's put let's put a half a dozen geishas in there. Okay. <laughs> so just make it so just make these images as big and as crazy exactly, and outlandish as possible. Okay. Absolutely. So it sticks in your memory. Really sticks in your memory. I mean, how many times have you walked into your study and there's a half a dozen geishas uh, bowing to you? I don't <laughs> think it, 
it doesn't happen on a regular basis, does it? <laughs> okay, so I get it now. So you go to each room through your yeah. house. Yeah. So you trace your steps through your house. Yeah. And in each room or at each particular uh, landmark within the house, yes. you put something that represents that point you want to make. That's exactly wow. right. Wow. And it's such a simple, simple concept. But what it means is that means that, for example, you walk in and you've, you've got it clear. You're going to say this point, then you're going to say that point, then you're going to say the third point and so on. And you start talking to the audience and it's quite clear that there's one point which you want to now emphasize or you want to change the sequence in which you're going to, to make the points. Well, you can just walk around your house in a different way. Or if you're in the study, you're making your, your point about respect and then suddenly somebody asks you a question which is about something completely unrelated and you kind of forget where you're at. Well, you then say, okay, where was that? I was in my study. Where am I going to next? Oh, yeah, I'm going to the living room. What's in my living room? Bam, you remember the point and off you go. Wow, that's great. I, I love that creativity actually helps you to remember things. Like the more creative you can be, then the more effective this technique is going to be. And, and, and what's really interesting is if you look at the way that our brains work, our brains are visual. And our brains are visual for, for a very good reason, which is that most life forms on the planet don't move. So if you're a bit of grass, that's you start your life as a bit of grass. That's what you do for the rest of your life. You never move. So life forms which don't have uh, the need to move don't have brains. And all life forms which do need to move all have brains. So fish have brains, all kinds of animals, birds, human beings, and so forth. We all have brains because we move. And moving is a very complex thing to do, moving through three-dimensional space. So you need a brain to be able to coordinate the movement and to get you from A to B. And once you understand that if you go in this particular direction, you're going to find food, and if you go in that particular direction, you're going to have danger, then it makes sense to create a memory system so that you know what will happen if you go down this particular track. So that's why much of our brain is involved in visual processing. Now, as you improve your ability to imagine and create and reimagine your past, simultaneously you're, you're facilitating your ability to imagine your future because there's functionally no difference between the two. Your past and the future neither exist. One is a representation of what's happened to you. Another is a representation of what you would like to have happen to you. The two are functionally identical. So as you improve your memory, you improve your ability to imagine your own future. And so one of the first benefits that you're going to get from improving your memory is a massive increase in self-confidence. Because when you're not confident about your future, what do you do? You go slowly or you mm. stop or you don't take risks or you spend a lot of time asking other people or getting advice, uh, but you don't move confidently into the future because you haven't really been able to imagine it the way that you need to be able to do in order to move without hesitation. Mm. And I've learned a lot about being successful through visualizing your future and visualizing yourself, your future self as being successful. And I yeah. know many athletes do this, you know, they visualize the win. And I haven't heard that perspective before where if you can improve your memory, that'll then help you to 
create those visual images in the future. That's pretty cool. I hadn't that thought is, about that before. <laughs> that, that is that is incredibly cool. I've never heard anybody else say that. That's just something that I've I've understood from my own journey. Mm. But I, but the good thing about it now, if I ask you to visualize your future, you will not know if the way that you visualize it is accurate until you actually get into that that place, which may not be for five or ten years' time. Whereas if you ask someone to remember their past, you can actually, there's usually objective ways that you can actually test or validate that that their, their memory is actually correct. Um, you know, you, you remember a, a speech or whatever. Did you give the speech correctly? Have you remembered it correctly? Absolutely. That you can validate. So once you've got that validation and process in place, then you feel much more confident about visualizing your future. Let's talk about remembering names. Okay. Do you use the same technique, like the, the memory palace technique, to remember people's names? No. There's there's lots of different techniques and when there's different techniques for different situations. So you end up with like a, a Swiss Army knife and you've got a number of different techniques that you can use for different things. Um there, there's a there's a different technique specifically around numbering names, but be, that's kind of quite a detailed thing to get into. But I, what I thought would be really helpful would be to to give to give your listeners something that they could make use of straight away. Absolutely. Uh, and and that is, what do you do in that situation where you walk into a room and there's say twenty twenty five people or whatever number of people, and they say, "This is Bob, and this is Sue, and that's Jenny, and that's Xavier over there, and this is Richard," and you and you you know you. You're shaking your hands and you're saying, hi, I'm Bill, or hi, I'm Christina. And then five minutes later, you cannot remember a single person's <laughs> name. And you, you just call them mate for the rest of the year. <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah. So that happened to me one time too many. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something about this because this is just ridiculous. We've set up this system which is just designed to fail. You know, even if you remember five out of ten people's names, you know, if five times out of ten when you drove into town you didn't crash your car, you wouldn't say that that was success. <laughs> No. Five five times out of ten, you did not burn the toast. You would not say that was success. So why do we accept that we only remember half the names or less than half the names and call that a successful outcome? It doesn't make sense to me. So the reason why it's incredibly difficult to remember names in that situation, it, there's a number of things going on. The first or first of all, it's stressful. You're meeting people for the first time who you don't know, so that's just naturally stressful. Secondly. They're telling your, their name. You're meant to remember their name. And at the same time, you're rehearsing, getting ready to say, well, my name is, and this is what I do. So your, your attention is not fully on there. The third thing is, which is going on is that you, your short term memory, as opposed to your long term memory, only lasts about six or seven seconds. And then it's replaced with some other information. So if you don't do something with the information that you're given in that six or seven seconds, it's lost. And then you feel embarrassed because you can't remember the name of the person you just met 10 seconds. <laughs> so um, thinking about that, I just thought, wow, we've really set this situation up so that we all fail. What if we flip it? What, what if we flip it? So everybody has difficulty remembering names. That means that 
everybody else is in exactly the same situation as us. So why don't we why don't we we turn it on its on its head? Rather than going into a group of people and saying, I've got to remember all this group of people's names, why not make it really easy for them to remember my name? Because I know my name. Mm. I don't have any difficulties with that. So so the, here's how the conversation goes. Hi, my name is Bill. Now, did you know that in the 13th century that there was this craze about having rhyme, rhyme rhyming names? So Bill and Will, uh, Rob and Bob. This is actually true. It comes from the 13th century. So that's why um, my name is Bill. Now, as soon as I do that, I'm making a little story. I'm, I'm, I'm giving people an opportunity to, to make some associations around my name, and it just makes it easy. Now, just imagine if everybody did that. If everybody does that, then suddenly everyone's telling stories or they're, they're saying, hey, no, I'm not associated with this particular famous person who happens to have my name, or my parents called me this because of this funny story. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can actually make it interesting. And for example, many people have never Googled their name. They don't know the origins of their name. Um, and so finding out that information is fascinating. I've actually had some people do that to me where I've said, I'm Christina and they yeah. go, Ooh, like Christina Aguilera. And I'm like, yeah, like Christina Aguilera. And yeah. those people tend to, I've noticed they tend to remember my name. That's right. And I've actually, yeah. I actually once met a guy and he said, my name's Ash. I said, okay, great. Yeah. And he said, he said, um, I'm Ash without the cash. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Cause we were at a startup meetup and you know, people looking for investors and he's like, I don't yeah. have any money. He's like, I'm Ash without the cash. And yeah. after that, I was like, Ash without the cash. Like, it was very easy to yeah. remember. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So then once you've done that and you've made it easier for other people to remember your name, yeah. then what happens? How do you, how do you well, then solve the problem of remembering their name? Because they've, for, because they've actually just solved it for you. You know, as you go around the group, rather than um, trying to remember everyone's name in this sort of back and forward table tennis match that we do right now, mm -hmm. we're taking the time for them to tell the little story, the ash for cash, uh, all of those things. It'll just stick. Yeah. Oh, so you encourage them to then tell yes. a story about, oh, okay. Yep. Everybody just say, okay, this is how we're going to do it from now on. Forget about the traditional way. Right. It doesn't work for anyone else. We all end up feeling stressed. Let's just tell stories about our own name, its origin, its roots, why our parents call us that, the relationship between us and famous people, whatever, and just make it very easy to stick. And just coming back to those belief systems we were talking at the beginning of the show and just let go of this belief that I'm, t you know, if you keep saying to yourself, I'm terrible at remembering names, well, you know, that's what your brain's going to say. Well, if that's what they want him to be, then fine. That's what we'll do. Get Let go of that. That, that belief doesn't serve you, doesn't mm. support you. And it's only because you haven't had a playful way to remember. You've had this rather boring repetition way of remembering uh, associated with exams and other stressful mm. situations. So, start to be playful with your memory and you'll find it's really easy. Love it. Love it. And this is great because this is something that people can start to practice and do it every single day too. And no yes. one even knows you're doing it. Nobody <laughs> knows you're doing it. Yes. <laughs> I know that you, you've written a book, is that correct? Yes. It's called The Lost Art of How to Find Things. So this, people can learn how to find their keys and, you know, let, never lose their wallets again? 
Well, the number one thing that people are really disturbed about with memory is not being able to remember names. So that's that's something that we teach. But the number two thing is is losing stuff. Uh, so putting your glasses down and not remembering where you put it. Uh, all of those little things which have when you actually add up the amount of time you probably spend in the day losing things, forgetting things, not remembering things, and then recovering from that, it can be at least an hour a day, mm. at least, at least, without any difficulty at all. Now, if you were to take all of those memory lapses and squish them all together and put them into one time frame, what it would mean is that for about six weeks in the year, you would have nothing but a fog <laughs> from nine till five of just walking around in complete and utter chaos and confusion. But because we just have broken it up into bite-sized chunks throughout the year, we don't kind of really notice it. And because everybody else is doing the same, we think it's normal, but it's not normal. It really isn't normal. And it's certainly not uh, conducive to your productivity it's not conducive to the profitability of your company. It's not conducive to building relationships with people. So if you are prepared to take the time and effort, and it doesn't require a lot of effort, within six weeks you can really improve your memory. You can double your memory within six weeks. If you're prepared to do that, then you're looking at at least a 12% increase in your productivity. Wow. And so the book will help you get there in that six weeks yeah absolutely okay. the book will help you get there awesome i know that you've got a possible campaign going for this book yeah um the campaign came out of the fact that when i started doing this work i first of all i taught myself then i taught 10 of my friends and they said that this is great so then i thought well i'll put on a pilot course for for some thought leaders people who wanted to try this out i thought I'll go with 20 this time because that will double it and I'll just give me some more understanding of how this is going to work. Well, 70 people signed up. Wow. So out of that, what we decided to do was to put on an event in Hobart, which is where I'm based, um, which will be for 200 people. And that was the, the first uh, purpose of doing the possible campaign is rather than selling tickets at the beginning we thought well why don't we just see if we can actually raise the money to hire the hire the venue and get all the audio visual and all the rest of it well we raised the money in 48 hours and the campaign runs for 30 days so we thought well what are we going to do now <laughs> uh, so decided okay the book is there the book is written uh, I, we just want to get it finessed so it can be published beautifully so now we're raising money for that and so if anybody wants to join that possible campaign, then they can get a copy of the book. Um, if they're very generous, um, then they can uh, even sponsor the book and have their, their name up in lights. So there's a lot of different pledges up on the possible site to suit everyone's uh, budget. Okay. Well, I'll put a link to the possible campaign sure. in the, the show notes of this episode so people can Great. go there and check it out. Awesome. So if people want to find out more about you, Bill, and, and what you do, apart yeah. from buying your book, where can they go? Uh, they can go to my website, which is billaronson.com.au, and just sign up there. And if they do that, then they'll start receiving a lot of free resources, um, which they can use or not use uh, as they wish. 
Um, but that's probably the that's probably the starting place is just to go to my website. And how do people remember that that website, Bill Aronson? Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Bill well, rhymes with Will. Okay, and- Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, you know, the thing is, uh, if they come to my website, I'm not going to bill them straight away. Okay, <laughs> okay you won't get billed. Okay. Yeah. okay. And and Aronson sounds like a running son. So just imagine. Uh, a, an invoice or a bill chasing a running sun around the top of my imaginary head and I <laughs> probably give you enough enough clues <laughs> love it well anyone listening to this podcast is definitely not going to forget your name bill a running sun no <laughs> aronson <laughs> thanks so much for joining me on the show i really appreciate it this has been really fascinating so thank you thank you so much christina Thanks again to memory coach Bill Aronson for helping me with my Toastmasters speech this week. I can definitely vouch for the memory palace technique that he shared. It really worked for me. I didn't need notes at all and I felt very confident that I wouldn't have a mental blank. If you want a copy of his book, The Lost Art of How to Find Things, go support his Possible campaign. You can get a digital copy of the book for only $5, which is pretty cool. I'll put a link to the show notes at thecmethod.com slash bill. So definitely go check out his possible campaign. <laughs> Alrighty, just a quick reminder about the podcasting workshop I'm running on Wednesday the 30th of March. That's one week from now. So if you're in Melbourne and are interested in podcasting, go to the show notes. Again, that's thecmethod.com slash bill, B-I-L-L, and there'll be a link there where you can register. Alrighty, that's all from me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you spending some time with me this week. I'll see you next week for the one-year birthday of this podcast. Keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Seeing as this episode's all about remembering things, that song was Do You Remember by Adele.